This week, we talk about HubSpot's acquisition of The Hustle and how it gave us some new marketing ideas. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. So Rick, uh, are you familiar with The Hustle? The Hustle. No, I'm not. It's, like a, what, it's what a company it? that just got acquired by HubSpot. Um, I, I'm not an expert on this either, but I guess it's like a content company that they have a podcast and a, a newsletter and stuff like that. You know, I did hear about this. Um, is it's a, it's a con- yeah. So, what, what, who's their audience? I think startup people. So, you and I both are members of Trends.VC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of their content products, if you can call it that, is a competitor to that. They have other stuff as well, but I think maybe in my head, they're kind of like a trends, so startup entrepreneur type type people follow it, I think. Cool. Um, so before that happened, I already had a kind of dumb marketing idea I wanted to run. Like it was already on this list and it was the marketing idea that I thought was like totally stupid and not validated. And then what HubSpot did by acquiring the hustle is exactly what I was going to talk about. Um, so... What they said, so again, the hustle is content. HubSpot is a SaaS company. Uh, I forget, someone from HubSpot gave the, the reason for the acquisition was content people are good at distribution, but bad at monetization. SaaS companies have this great monetization, but oftentimes distribution's a problem. So HubSpot acquires this content company as a way to basically get top of funnel leads. I love it. I mean, this is something that I've dreamed about at and explored very and very very vividly at People Keep when it came to f- finding you know more traffic hmm. uh, to convert. You considered like acquiring another company, uh, specifically content sites. I looked at uh, one of them was a small business a software comparison website. One was a. Uh, a lead, like a, a lead generation focused website that mm-hmm. had content related to health insurance. Um, another one was an HR content website. Huh. Okay. How did you find them? Like, were they for sale, or did you just find websites you liked and then try to buy them? So here's I found them because they were competing with People Keep on keywords. And mm. so I knew that they were ranking already for some of the, that was one way I found them. Uh, the second way I, I found them was they would uh, write an article and source our content. So we would get an that inbound makes, link from them. Uh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, they, But the challenge there is they weren't necessarily interested in selling. So ver- versus a lot of probably these sites want to sell, but maybe aren't as good of a fit. Yeah. I think there's two challenges. One is... Uh, being in a position to offer them terms on which they would sell. Yeah. Right. Like which we, you know, give, given the structure probably weren't because it was VC backed and, you know, for, for all kinds of things. So the, the other factor is, are they willing, is the timing right? Right. Like, is there mm-hmm. any price that they would sell for? Um, I, my belief is that I, I totally subscribe to this, th- that people who have been producing content for a certain amount of time, they're, if they've they've got a lot of traffic, they cannot figure out how to make a good living out of it. Yep. I think that if you can offer them ca- truly an, a true cash exit, um, and especially maybe even a job, you know, continuing to post content, I think that could be really attractive. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things in this realm I, I want to discuss here, but I, I want to stay on you for a second. So you didn't do it, right? Like, did you try? You never acquired one of these companies, right? Oh, this, no, I never even went to the, to the pace of, I did reach out to someone and, and say, Hey, are you interested in selling? But those, I never like pursued those conversations and nor got much of a, of a detailed response back. Yeah. Um, I did start, I did try some other things towards the end of my tenure where I would reach out to them and just start building a relationship. My, my gut tells me that this is probably something that happens because it's a relationship that gets developed over a period of time. Like, mm. for example, the way I, the way I was thinking about this was, oh, I need to develop a relationship with this person. Then I need to test their traffic by buying placement to see if the traffic is good for us. That's and funny. then 
and then once the once I've confirmed that and we're actually a solid source of their, you know, revenue, it's going to make sense for both of us to like. It's going to make sense for us. It's going to make sense for them to just let's just come together. That was my okay. I, that was my idea. But I would love to hear. Mine was very hypothetical and in the past. I'd love to hear your more actual <laughs> actual ideas. Mine's right very now. hypothetical in the present. Um, I, I yeah, I thought this was a unique idea, and apparently it's not at all. But I was like, to. I, I couldn't sleep on Tuesday night, I think it was. And I'm I went so sorry. on. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> was it, were you worried about something? No, I, I uh, napped and then drank too much Dr. Pepper. I did uh, it to myself. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, but I was laying in bed and I, I, I have this long list of marketing ideas. And I was like, which of these can I investigate without getting out of bed? <laughs> and one of them was acquire a company that already has distrib- like already has an audience in this space. So I went on, do you know the website um, Flippa? F-L-I-P-P-A dot com? I'm not familiar with it. Is it a flipping website? Business well, it's, flipping? it's to buy and sell uh, websites, basically. Like not, not domain names, but actually like working internet businesses. Oh, cool. I've never heard of this. Um, it's for kind of lower value ones. Like oh, I if love you wanted this. To, yeah, if you want to sell like a real business, you probably don't go to Flippa, but a lot of them are, you know, a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. Um, so I just kind of scrolled through there and was like, are there any of these where you could buy the site and like the traffic would be remotely relevant? To what did you learn? Well, almost all of them are selling like vape pens or Bitcoin advice. So <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think probably the idea could work, but it's kind of a needle in a haystack type of thing. Um, but the prices, I think, work because the, the, maybe there's some catch I'm not seeing, but I'll they're all valued at like a multiple of their profits. And the pro, you know, they all, some of them have AdSense or some of them have affiliate links. They make money. And so they're like, we make $2,000 a month and are, we're going to sell for 2X that, uh, 2X annual revenue, let's say. So it's 24,000. And the idea is like just the revenue you make from their ads is worth the amount you pay. But then I'm thinking, well, we could make that money plus monetize it by trying to get people in the less knowing Sierra. And, and so like, this is almost a strategic acquisition in a sense. And this is like, then HubSpot did this literally the next day. And I was like, okay, apparently I'm not the only one thinking this way. But it's a strategic acquisition. You get the business as it is at the valuation for what it's worth right now. Plus you can come in and have this much, much better way to monetize it potentially. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, what would you a, do? A smart, a smart seller though would try to sell it for yeah. more than it's worth as a standalone business because it's a strategic sell in that case, in which case it's worth more and they could jack up the price. Absolutely. Also, like Less Annoying Serum does not have enough money to buy a real business. Like, yeah, but you uh, could oh, finance this. You could leverage this. Talk about that. I, I mean, I don't know a ton about this, so I, I don't want to talk out of my rear end, but my, my understanding is that when a business produces cash um, on a recurring basis, you can take a loan out with the business's collateral and leverage leverage the buyout hmm. that's interesting or raise I've strug- Go ahead. i've struggled to to like get loans for less annoying serum before I, I haven't tried that hard but it's difficult to um get a loan for a software company because there is no collateral like you, you said the company itself would be but normally a company has like if it's a brewery they have big metal vats or whatever full of beer like there's a physical thing for the bank mm-hmm. to take um, I, fa- maybe times have changed. I haven't tried in maybe five years, but the banks did not want to work with me before. I mean, you have to, you'd probably have to sign your personal signature on it. Yeah. Fair enough. I, yeah. Also, I don't want to buy a $500,000 business. My dream here would be like, there's some 10 or 20 or $30,000 thing that really is, is a minor source of traffic, but you know, okay, now we get 10 new customers a month from this, you know? Yeah, so I guess that'd be interesting. Like, how would you go about valuing that? What, like, what, what would a, how many customers would you need to get per month? You like talking in users, I believe. So, ten dollars user sure. or fifteen dollars yeah. users. Um, how many would you need to get recur- like be able to think you're gonna believe you're gonna get per month in order to justify even th- spending time on an acquisition? Yeah, I was just talking about this earlier. We kind of have the number four hundred and fifty dollars for an account, not a user. That assumes that. The account has our average number of users. So that's per year. Oh, uh, you just you just per, went from monthly to annual. Did you? Sorry, we will pay four hundred and fifty dollars one time to acquire an, a customer. A fifteen dollars user. 
uh, fifth, two, two and a half fifteen dollar users. Our average account is two and a half okay, users. Okay, so you'll spend uh four hundred and fifty dollars to acquire thirty five dollars, an annuity of thirty five dollars. No, forty five dollars. No, thirty seven and a half dollars. Yeah, thirty seven and a half. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll round it up to forty. You're basically paying four hundred fifty dollars to pay to earn forty a month, which is basically, yeah, that's three hundred sixty a year ish. So yeah, you're basically saying I'm going to pay dollar for dollar to get my money back in about a year and a half. Something like that. Okay, cool. So what would you do? Okay, I have two more questions. Sorry for beating this topic to death. Mm -hmm. One, you said, well, maybe what the person you acquire, maybe they don't want to be acquired. Maybe they actually want a job. What do you think that looks like? Like, it's not them coming to work for you. It's like you keep running your website, but I'll pay you and you have to like, your website has to partner with us. Did you put any thought into that? Why would you acquire them? Why not just go and do a contract with them where you pay them? That's kind of, so we actually, we have a sort of quasi partner like this right now that's got a content site. And I think it's too big for us to acquire and I'm not sure we would want to anyway, but I'm, I am trying to brainstorm, like, can we get the same benefit of this by just like paying them a salary? Basically they keep running their site, but they're like much more entwined with what we're doing. What's the example of the site? If you can't say it, like what, what, what kind of content site is it? It's a site that like writes about kind of small business software and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean that's really interesting. Um so I I mean I think one of the challenges this is kind of getting into the start to last philosophy philosophy. I think one of the challenges you have with early, it's the same challenge I have with early stage recruiting. When you acquire businesses, you're not going to be able to offer stock as you know part like you're not going to yeah. be able to buy businesses with equity. Um which creates sort of a challenge when it comes to providing upside for someone who's an entrepreneur to stick around. So you'd have to have some, you'd probably, you'd have to figure out a way to fake. It would seem, I don't know. It seems like someone who's running a successful content site is doing it for the potential upside, not for it's the salary. Maybe not successful though. Okay. That's right. the thing. It's like, yeah, I don't but, know. but that mentality that, that the, the motivation for doing it maybe is the upside, not the salary. And so, right. The, you know, how do you in a startup to last company sort of fake the exit opportunity with stock without having to come up with cash? Yeah, I think that's harder. You could potentially give like basically an affiliate relationship, but more like connect. You're actually affiliated with us in some way. Anyway, okay, one more question, and then we can move on. Have you put any thought into? I understand the content model where the content is on our site. It's less annoying CRM. But it's kind of like tofu-ish. Like the per if the person's ready to buy, it's really easy. That like the blog post says, "Go buy less annoying CRM." Here's a link, and they go and buy it. What's I'm harder so is if it's. I'm sorry, yeah. Tyler. I got distracted by Flippa. I, I'm looking at a. <laughs> I'm looking at a listing for twerkingbutt.com. Oh yeah, I I saw that one. I was like, "Am I going to go to twerkingbutt.com and see what this is?" Have you done it yet? <laughs> No, I, I, okay. I really want to go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking about when you were talking. I was like, should I go there, to twerkybutt.com? Keep, keep browsing because that's probably the weirdest name, but there are some strange, strange businesses on Flippa. Um, okay. Sorry, can you repeat what you said? <laughs> yeah, my, okay. My question is this. If you have, I, let, me, let me say what I know and then I'll say what I don't know. If I'm doing content on my website, if it's kind of bottom of funnel content, the person's already, they're like looking for a CRM and they land on less knowing CRM. It's very straightforward. You're like, here's the sign up form. Go for it. If it's top of funnel where they're not ready to buy, but their interest, they may one day, you're supposed to do something to get them on an email list or something where you can kind of nurture them and stay in touch until they're ready to buy. If you go to this other site, whether we own it or we're partnering with someone else, but it's not part of less knowing CRM's brand, bottom of funnel's the same. Hey, you came here looking for a CRM. Here's a link to Less Annoying CRM. Go sign up. What do you think a top of funnel content piece on a different site from Less Annoying CRM? How do we get that person into our funnel? The Less Annoying CRM funnel or? or Yeah, I don't. How do we get value out of if we owned or partnered with a site that got that top of funnel traffic, but it's not our brand that they're on? It seems like there's two value pieces here. One is like it's some sort of qualified lead generation on a predictable basis and that's mm -hmm. you know that's the bottom of the funnel stuff then it's other revenue sources if you choose to monetize in other ways so it's i, don't, I would never complicate this it's like either the, the that 
the management of that asset, the site is leading to qualified leads and you're going to increase that via some mechanism by managing the site better. Um, or you're going to do that plus earn cash from selling the, by, by doing something else. So you're saying like you wouldn't try to put the, the top of funnel leads into a nurturing campaign on this other property. Well, I mean, I would manage the site to produce whatever the output is that I want to produce. And in that case, <laughs> okay. it's generating leads for less annoying CRM. So I would, you know, I would manage the site to do that. But I think it's a little bit more complicated in that. Uh, completely, how to best manage the site to accomplish that uh, depends very much on what the site is and yeah. who's going okay. and why they're going and that sort of thing. Fair enough. Um, so yes, I probably won't do anything here, but uh, I'll I'll let you know if if I pursue anything in this area. <laughs> It'd be fun to just kind of do one for the experience of doing it. If we could find one that's, I'd I'd be interested in, like yeah, I buying sort of just are fun, like five hundred thirty dollars for paranorms dot com. <laughs> My aunt would love that. <laughs> That's a great point. I, uh, I mean, not paranorms.com. That's not a great point, but uh, <laughs> the uh, buying it for fun. I, as I kind of get more comfortable with the stuff I've done in business already, I am sort of like, I just want to know how to do more stuff and like acquiring a business, even if it's a $500 business would be one of those. I, I was all like, my dad has done some investing and I, the other day I was just like, tell me, how do you give someone money? Like what contracts do you sign? What forms do you fill out? Like, yeah, it'd be kind of an interesting learning experience. Yeah, and, it, and either you lose the money, but if you go into it with a, as a learning experience, you're like paying for an acquisition act. Like, it's like a live, you know, real in the real world learning experience on how to acquire a business. Mm -hmm. And maybe you learn something and you do it again, or you go, man, this is not for me. And then you can go on Twitter and say that you, you know, manage a portfolio of companies. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, it, it looks like there's a bunch of businesses on here for like 50 bucks. I mean, you could buy, you could put in your LinkedIn pile, acquired and sold 10, <laughs> 10 plus businesses in, in, in a weekend's work. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what's, uh, what's going on with you? I like the idea though. I, 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 I think, um, I'm going to think about this more and it'd be interesting mm -hmm. to see if, if this turns into some real opportunity down the road for you. Yeah. I, it'd be cool. Cool. All right. So, um, first, uh, so for me, my big update is that my first, I, I think I mentioned four or five weeks ago that I've broken my work into six week batches to kind of steamroll into uh, 2021. And the idea here for context is the business was really unpredictable in 2020. And I tried to set like annual goals and it was really demoralizing to have a goal that doesn't matter anymore. But then you like feel guilty about making the goal go away, but the same, and it feels like, yeah, it's like cheating failure. to set a new annual goal in November. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just not, I didn't set annual goals this year. I just instead said, you know, I've got a direct, there are like two things that would be really nice if it happened. It'd be really cool if we made a certain revenue number and then be really cool. Also, if I liked my job, which means like automating some of the really painful things that I have to do every month. So really, uh, I've, I, part of my planning process was breaking I won't go into the detail. My first six week batch has ended. Um, it's really interesting as you get down to the last week, there's all these things that you thought you could do. I put on there that aren't going to get done. So it's like, okay, do I need to do these? Do I really need to do these? And the answer is yes, I need to make a decision on all these. And so this week it's been really interesting. I've made decisions on like three really big things that I probably, if, if there were three weeks left in the batch and the six week batch, I would probably spend cycles on for a week, but because they were in the last week, I had, to, mm -hmm. I was forced to make a, a decision. One of them was our Medicaid program. Uh, so well, I, I should stop and say my baby is, we're expecting, Sable and I are expecting our first child in six, uh, weeks, ironically. Uh, so <laughs> one um, sprint away. <laughs> yeah. One sprint away. So I have one more sprint before parental leave. And, and because it's getting close and real now, I'm starting to go, okay, man, like, do I, what should I, I have, there's so much uncertainty around how much parental leave I'm going to take. How, you know, is Sable going to need me for two weeks for, you know, how long, like I'm scared to commit to things, um, whether that's internship, mm -hmm. posting internships, um, or, mm. you know, new clients, um, you know, networking efforts, marketing efforts, these kinds of things. So, um, the last couple of things I did this this 
in this six week sprint was one, I launched a Medicaid give back program officially. So it's really important for me to bake some sort of advocacy into the model uh, from an early day, but I was, I wasn't sure if this, when to do that or how to do it. And I, I think I came up with a pretty good idea, which is for every 10 clients we add, we're going to help, we're going to make sure we have capacity to volunteer to help one Medicaid person, which means like we can only help three or four Medicaid people right now based on the number of clients we have, but that's a commitment I can make today. And I don't mind like committing to. And when we get to a hundred clients, we can help 10 Medicaid people. And we have a thousand clients, we can do a hundred, help a hundred Medicaid people. Um, I felt pretty good about that commitment. So that was one yeah, decision I made this week. That's very cool. Can, can um, I ask you a yeah. question? Like, yeah. how do you manage, like, do you have so many of them coming in that it's just like, turn the dial up or are you going to go like market to get Medicaid people? Right now, I don't have a capacity issue. There are enough people who are who have signed up that I'm helping to meet the threshold. But I think that it'll be interesting to see if I need to market it to hit our hit our commitment every year. Okay, I'm more well, worried I, about I like having people. Lot, I'm more worried about having people on the waiting list and how to handle that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, if I can just say, like, I used to set more concrete, more like number goals. Like my goal is this or that, and I I really like things that scale. Like to use the government as an example, minimum wage should have been set as like it's going to go up automatically rather than we have to pass a new law every single time we want it to go up. Like that's what you're doing here. And I I like that because it means you don't have to keep revisiting this over and over. Exactly. So this decision was one that it was like, I spent a day thinking about how to do this. And then I got to this and it was like, oh, I never have to think about this again. It's just, and then it's just writing, like, how do I explain this to someone? And now it's done. And now we're, we have a great community service program for our, company as long as this company exists. Yeah. Or we awesome. decide that that's not going to work for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the commitment we made was for 2021 only. So I, I did limit it to the year to make sure that, you know, we could test it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was one decision this week. The, the, all the not fun things come up in the last week of work. Uh, one <laughs> was um, I committed to, I had previously committed to posting internships for the summer in January and I decided not to post internships. Um, Primarily because I do not want to feel committed to pe- potential interns and getting back to them being interested in projects because I don't even, and I don't even know if I want to do summer internships right now. That's super smart. I, I think you 100% made the right decision there. It was a, I had to fight my ego on this big time. What, what is your ego? Like just cause you, you want to be a leader or something? It feels good to say that I have an internship program. Yeah. Feels really we're good. not doing any internships this year either, by the way. Really? This is our first first summer in year. We're doing the fellowship still, but we're not, uh, no one's doing an internship. Interesting. I uh, I feel like there's sort of two factors here. One is ego. It's like, I feel like I am not being the company I want to be and, you know, someone, a, a company my mom would be proud of and people <laughs> would look up to, you know. Um, and then the, the other factor is I do feel like I might be missing out on something. Um, like Alina, uh, but yeah. that's less, that's less than the ego thing. But anyway, I got over it and I decided not to do interns. I wrote people that I told that I would post it and said, sorry, I'm, you know, once I've once we have the baby, you know, I'll, I'll look at this again, but, um, you know, feel free to check our website or ping me and check in regularly. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we're not going to do it, but that was another decision that I, de- I deliberated on for a half a day. And I was Essentialism. like, like, yeah, I, <laughs> and then I, I made the decision not to do it. And it's like, okay, now what do I do? Now that I'm not going to do that, I don't have to write job. I don't have to write internship projects. Yeah. You know, um, well they say, you know, they say if you're, if you're running up against a deadline and you're not going to finish it, there's three things you can do, right? You can increase budget, which in your case just means like work nights and weekends, I guess you can, um, push back the deadline or you can reduce scope. So you just reduced scope. That's great. Yep. Yep. That's That's almost always the best one, I feel like. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes where you get it to a deadline where you you're and you're stuck on a project where you're like, I don't feel like I can work on this yet. And I'm like, should I do this or not? Oftentimes that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it or should do it. It just means now's not the right time to decide. And in reality, what I did in this case was I punted a decision until after a a time that I'll that will give me more clarity about whether I want to do it. And so it took me a while to make that decision, but it's a damn good decision. Yeah. Um, one, um, the other, uh, the other thing that I had uh, that I'm, so this kind of brings me to my final update, which is I wasn't sure I'm planning the next six weeks. Right. And a 
Colleen over at Software Social, she's one of the co-hosts with uh, Michelle, I believe is her name. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're in the Indie Hacker podcast network with us. And she's doing this 100 days of marketing. And she's post tweets tweeting every day about like one thing. She's the, she's trying to spend an hour a day on a marketing task every day, every business day for 100 days, which, you know me, like I'd rather really work on the product. And it sounds like it's a great forcing function for her to force her to do stuff. And I mm-hmm. was like, totally like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. But then I started thinking about I'm having a baby in six weeks. I really like I can't commit to that, nor do I really want the clients that could come in from that to come in and then expect something mm. of me while I'm on. So I'm planning out the next six weeks and I'm realizing the best the best two things for me to work on for the next six weeks are going to be learning how to code so I can automate the monthly update email and some of the things that are really going to make me hate my job and when I come back from paternity. Um, and then the second thing is um, building out leg up benefits, which is technically a marketing tool, but it's something that I can make a lot of progress on prior to going on leave um, without it resulting in a lot more commitments of my time. When you say progress, do you mean like, or when you, sorry, when you say build out, do you mean like make the product better? Oh, the product right now is a spreadsheet and <laughs> a, and like Google docs. So mm-hmm. basically creating, building out the website that markets like up benefits, lets a customer sign up um, and manages, uh, automatically manages what I'm manually managing. So having a child, especially your first child is obviously a unique circumstance but if that if any other thing were going on here, I'd be like, Rick, you're making up an excuse to do no marketing for the next six weeks. Leg up benefits is marketing. Well, product's always marketing, but it's not the type of marketing you're talking about. I don't think I'm making up an excuse. I think that in reality, I'm trying to figure out what's the best use of my time so that I don't lose momentum when I go on paternity leave um, and then maximize my time towards the end of the year on what matters most. And I think I'm making a good decision here. Okay. I, and yeah, I'm not saying you aren't. I'm just saying like, if you, if you go back eight episodes or however many, that Rick would have said, don't do this. And that Rick probably wasn't thinking about the time commitments of having a kid at the time. Yeah, totally. And, and so, and I, I'm, I'm basically going, I wanted to spend 50, my commitment to the year was 50% of my time on growth, 50% of my time on automation is sort of a yardstick. Okay. And I, and my growth investment is in leg up benefits for the next six weeks. My automation investment is going to be in the coding a monthly update. So I think if I maintain the 50-50 split between those two, I'm staying true to what matters most. And then I'm maximizing this sort of time between before I go on parental leave of not making too many commitments that are going to create pain for me while I'm experiencing yeah. a child for the first time. What what do you, I realize you don't know yet. What are your, what's your guess as to like the child is born, what are the next X weeks look like? The the so every time I try to think about this, I realize how uncertain it is. So the 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 real answer is I have no idea. Some people and I'm in a unique situation where I'm working from home. It's quarantine. You know, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. Yeah. I, I think like, there's probably going to be two weeks of pretty dark. Like I'm dark. You know, <laughs> well I'll do the podcast. I'll do a couple things like to. Keep You're myself. not doing the podcast. The yeah, week kids really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or or like we'll record two once we. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll talk like, about it. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> we will put it. a podcast out, but you don't need to spend an hour that week doing it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but we'll figure, yeah. So I think there, like it's going to go down to minimal commitments. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I think of it as like two weeks of 10% of me uh, mm-hmm. of doing 10% stuff. And then uh, after the two weeks, it's either continuing to do that for a period of time or going back or starting to ramp up from there. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. Does Sable know how long she's taken off work? Yeah, f- uh, 20 weeks. 20 weeks? Cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, and I thought that she wanted me, like, we actually just had a conversation at lunch today, whereas in my head, I was like, I'm preparing for, to take 20 weeks as well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, you're not taking 20 weeks. <laughs> oh. All right. That uh, works. So it's somewhere between two weeks and 20 weeks is where I'll, is where I'll be. Cool. Cool. Exciting times. Um, what's this final thing you got here? Uh, oh, so one of the things that I decided to delay until after I return um, from parental leave is this concept of putting together a working group to focus on local consumer marketing. And what my con- my idea here is I've got a few buddies here in Utah who have businesses that are consumer B2C businesses 
that are focused on selling exclusively to Utah people. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to form a little, it's kind of like a mini mastermind, but focused on figuring out how to market directly to consumers on a local basis. There's a ton of information out there online about, and, and, and playbooks for marketing to consumers without like a huge geographic constraint, but not on a non-local, on a national basis. But I think mm. there's, I think that if I kind of want to create this group for two reasons, one, I think it'll create some accountability among us to work together, to, you know, hold each other accountable to marketing more and figuring this out. I think there, there will be shared ideas, things that have, each of us have figured out. One guy has a suit shop. Uh, one guy has a, uh, um, a pet, pet service. Um, and I'd like to add a, another business or two, um, you know, that, that fits the mold. And I, and I think that there's probably some, some, some sort of power in numbers and that, you know, if, if I get invited on a podcast, that's Utah specific, potentially that, that introduction, you know, that person could also interview the other people Mm -hmm. later. So kind of taking what we're doing with the Indie Hackers podcast network and applying it to local consumer marketing here in Utah. Um, and, uh, yeah, creating basically a little mastermind group. Are you familiar with BNI? BNI? BNI. I'm guessing it's like business networking initiative or something. I don't know what it stands for, but... No. Because it sounds kind of like what you're talking about. Uh, probably like a sleazier, like, I don't know. Probably you wouldn't want to join BNI, but my understanding of what it is is they have chapters or whatever all over like in in bigger cities multiple chapters within the city but it's one person you can only have one person in a given industry so like one realtor or something in each group and then it's just a group of local businesses that it's quasi mastermind but also it's a referral network Mm. um and i think there may be more pushing the referral sales than what you're talking about whereas you're talking about more like lending experience and connections but yeah like let's let's, similar try, idea. let's all go try using next door as an advertising right. channel and see what works let's you know let's all try you know going on this podcast and see if it has an impact yeah um so yeah i i think you starting your own version of this is i'm not saying you should join a bni group but i do think you might want to like look at it because That's I think it's not that dissimilar from what you're talking about here. And is it B and I or B? B the letter N I. B and I. Okay. I'll check it out. I think. For sure. Yeah. But it sounds like you've seen it done before and maybe it, mm-hmm. it must work. Otherwise it wouldn't be around. A, a lot of our customers are in B and I groups and they, they love it. They swear. Cause it's basically like you build trust with your, your audience and then you share that trust with other people who you also trust. And yeah, it just makes life easier. <laughs> Cool. Um, I'm very interested in discussing local marketing tactics, um, lo- local, specifically local consumer marketing tactics on the podcast yeah. at a later date. Um, but it's probably not going to happen until after I get back from. Gotcha. Trendy. I always like one of my grass is always greener things is I sort of want to start a local business because most local businesses are so just dog shit terrible at marketing that it's like. You know, if you have an internet business, you're competing with the whole internet and someone out there is better at marketing than you. But if you're like running a restaurant in my neighborhood, I could dominate every single restaurant here. Maybe not at cooking food, but at marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the tables uh, would be full. Yes, yes. Everyone would leave like, well, your food sucks, but (laughs) then new people would come. (laughs) Uh, Cool. So a couple things on my list here. Um, one is I'm planning a, a non-retreat. Normally, I would be going to Utah for this. What do you mean uh, by non-retreat? Well, a retreat, but I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, normally, w- three times a year or something like that, I fly out to Utah and work but and see you maybe, maybe two times over the course of 10 days, but mostly I'm just by myself working. Um, I'm not going anywhere because of COVID, but I'm, I kind of, I blocked off a week on my calendar. Well, let me give the, the backstory here. Monday of this week was like one of the most productive days I've had in just a long, long time. I lived my best life. I took a nap. I got a ton of fast food. I drank all the Dr. Pepper I could imagine. And then I stayed up till like 1 a.m. working, which is just my ideal day. If I can do that every day, I love it. Like what? You stayed up all night looking at businesses to buy? 
Well, the night the problem is it messed up my sleep the next day. I slept in, and then the next day I couldn't get to sleep. So it, it had consequences. Sorry, but, <laughs> but you love those days. Those days are the, I love your favorite it. days in the world. Yes, I felt so energized by it. And so at the end of that, I was like, I need more of this. But how do you like, how do you force it? And that's what the retreats always did for me. So I, in that moment, I went and blocked off a whole week. I canceled every meeting I had that week. I put on my calendar, like, don't book anything with me. So I'm still going to be at home, but my plan is I'm going to ignore Slack. I'm going to ignore email and I'm just going to like work on individual contributor type stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So that's in three weeks, I think. Oh, that is, that'll be great. I'm going to be yeah. jealous of you during that week. <laughs> Although that's kind yeah, of we'll my, my, that's kind of like what I do every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I used to do. Every day used to be that way until, you know, you start getting employees and more customers. And it's like you have meetings all day, every day. But in the early days, this is the, the great thing about the early days of a business. Do you, have, do you have ideas on what you want to work on or is that TBD? Um, marketing, hopefully. So I've, I keep talking about this Webflow project. We are like so, so close. I'm hoping it will be launched before that week, in which case that's blocking all other marketing projects. So then I'll, that'll unleash me to do other things. If Webflow is not done, that'll be my focus is to get that, that launched. I love it. I, uh, if, well, probably in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be like, we're spending the whole episode talking about my marketing stuff. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, d- for those of you who listened to the last week's episode, Tyler offered to peer program, I believe is what it's called, or pair program, pair, pair, pair program. program. Yeah. And we did that the next day, last Friday. And he helped, he basically showed me how I could automate my monthly update email in about an hour and a half uh, via PHP. And then I can't do that. So I basically know Tyler could automate my my uh, email, but it was super helpful to watch him like code and learn and talk through it while he was doing it. Um, so I just want to offer back to you when you get to the Webflow stuff, if I can help with any of the Webflow publishing or, and I could pair program on that, please let me repay the favor. That is a great idea. I appreciate that. And uh, I will keep that in mind and I'm sure I will take you up on it. I'm not sure the best way to, but I'll think about that. It's Thanks. the no code. It's the no code version of pair programming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just, just, I'm just going to throw out one possibility. One thing I want to figure out how to do is do good AB testing in Webflow, which is kind of like a no code challenge. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll put some more thought into that though. Um, one other thing, this is just a note. I, you, I don't know if you'll have anything to say about this. I have observed, I think people quarantine and like life under in COVID times is just hitting people. Like I've noticed it a lot since around the new year. Have you felt or noticed that? Do you think? You know, I, 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 no, I've been you totally, haven't. I've been in my own little bubble and I feel I, I, where are you noticing this? Is this, uh, just a family, friends, Empl- employees, employees, um, what, is it I, being expressed as like, I'm so tired of this or is it like, or is it like sort of the false hope of the vaccine fall, dissipating? See, I think, I think the vaccine, I, I'm not like feeling all that, I'm actually feeling pretty good, but I, I had a noticeable change when the vaccine stuff started because prior to that, I was like, this is going on forever and I'm just not even going to think about life after this. And as soon as people started, like the vaccine was real, I was like, oh, well, am I going to be able to go on a float trip this summer? Am I going to like, um, so I, I think that might be part of it, but so a productivity has been down, not in a way that matters. Like I'm, I'm kind of like. If anyone gets anything done in these hellish times, that's great. Uh, so I'm not upset about it, but like productivity's down. And then one employee in particular kind of reached out to me and was like, I just want you to know, I know I'm not productive and like, I don't know what to do, basically. Um, what do, which is a do, tough conversation. What, what can you do about it? They weren't asking me to do anything. And they, they were just kind of like, I, I don't think there's anything to be done here. And it's it's not like a problem I'm asking you to solve. I just wanted to like let you know that I'm not productive. Yeah, but um, have you have you thought about like how you might be able to solve that problem as an employer or or at least mitigate it? I've thought it? about it. I don't have any good idea. I mean, I I tried to, one thing I try to do is just take the pressure off. So I I kind of replied with basically don't worry about it. Not don't worry about it, but like this is a team. Some people are struggling right now and it's okay to lean on other people right now and like I'm you don't need to feel any pressure about me, your boss, like putting, you know, putting pressure on you to perform here. But that's kind of like telling a depressed person not to be depressed. Like, does that really help? I don't, I don't know. Hmm. 
Yeah, it, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. Good. Yeah. I, mean, I guess all you can say is good luck and let me know what I can do to help. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of all you can do, but it's as entrepreneurs, your, your instinct is, oh, it's a problem. Let's go into problem solving mode. And I, yeah, it's like, I can't make the, the, uh, virus go away, you know? Yeah. But that's, I, I think most people experiencing this know it's not someone else's job to fix it either. It's just helpful to say it out loud. Yeah, I think so. Um, Okay. The other thing I, so I, I, this may turn into a real conversation or it may not. I'm struggling with a little bit of a design issue right now. And I just thought I'd walk through it and, and get your thoughts. So we have a report. We have several reports in Less Annoying CRM. The main one is called a pipeline report. And our customers enter contacts into their CRM and then they can put those contacts into pipelines. The most common type of pipeline is a lead like pipeline. They can make up whatever pipelines they want. But we give them a report that it's really not even a report. It's like a list of all your leads, basically. Like normally sorted by But re- by report, you mean like a view that lists all the leads, not like a, yeah, not like a not PDF like a, or an it's Excel. It's not like a funnel visualizing it. It's just like a list of all your contact, like row by row by row. And the, the way people normally use it, th- there's different uses. But like imagine you're a cold caller. You just go to the top of the list and you're like, I'm going to start at the top and I'm going to go to the bottom. And I'm gonna, you can update people directly from the, the report. Um, we're trying to figure out what should happen when you update someone. Um, right now it just refreshes the whole report. And so it's always showing you correct information. But what occurred to us is, I shouldn't say this occurred to us. Um, we've known this for a long time. Problem is you're like walking from the top to the bottom of the report. And as you edit people, they move lower on the report and then you hit them again. And it's not a great experience. So maybe don't think of it as a report. Think of it as a call list. What do you think should happen in a call list if you're walking through it and you edit someone? Yeah, that's a very different question. So yeah. uh, I think when should a report update? Yeah, real time. If you're using it as a report. Um, if you're using it as a chronological list, like not a chronological list, but a ordered list, the ordered list, if you're using the ordered list, the ordered list shouldn't update based on a change to the record unless you tell it to. That should be So manual. what about this? Okay, it should be manual. So what we're planning is you you make an edit and it kind of indicates it was edited and then a little notice pops up like you need to refresh this if you want to update the, the report. What if you like then click to another page and then hit the back button? Do you see the order that it was in before? You think no. it refreshes at that point? It refreshes unless it was actually a call list, in which case it should be intelligent the, enough. Sorry, that yeah. Yeah. So there's a difference between like a report that's being used as a call list and then a call list tool. Are you talking yeah. about a call list tool? I mean, we call it a report, but people use it like a call list. But not everyone does. Not like, every yeah, there's, yeah, there's so, different uses. Yeah. So like if you were designing the perfect call list, man, the call list would always tell me who the best person to call is next based on either my tell yeah. my my algorithm or you know data like some be- better algorithm that you could you could use that makes sense one of the struggles here is like so i think people want a certain amount of persistence here but then they like go away and then come back and like if they come back 30 minutes later most people want the original list but if they come back a day later, they don't. And so we're, anyway, this is just an interesting UI UX challenge because we're trying to like figure out, we don't want to make it super manual where it's like you have to hit the reload button every single time you want to update the list. But also if you're working through it and you leave and come back, a lot of people want it still there. So anyway, I don't know. This feels like a separate feature like that's designed to help people like yeah, I create agree. a list of to, like, it's almost like to create a list that you ch- check boxes on versus that doesn't get updated uh, that you delete it has no purpose other than to be called and then you delete it. seems like a new feature versus a, a, an edit. We, we actually talked about that and we all, I agree. We all agree, but we're not going to build that feature right now. So we, we have, we're, we're porting this whole thing into a new technology and we're like, while we're at it, we can fix this behavior, but we're not going to build a whole new feature. But I like what you just said. I think, cause we have a task list feature. It'd be interesting to just be like, you have a call list task and there's a button that copies this report into the call list, and then you work off that. That would be cool. Hmm. Okay. As a Thanks. person a who used idea. to dial for dollars, um, the lead list is 
you don't like using tasks to like remind yourself to call leads because you're going to call the lead is, I don't know, working on a task oh, list so you, for leads. You don't, but you said like a checkbox. Didn't you say a checkbox earlier? What I'm saying is like tasks already exist. Leads exist. Mm-hmm. You don't want to use the task to like create your call list because it's so ma- you're calling so many leads. Usually it's yeah. a volume play that you don't want to manually. It takes time to create manually create the task. But if you had a way to like make that easy for me, I would totally use a task system. And then just throw it away. Like when you're done throw at the day, away. just throw, the, throw it away. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Cool. It's really interesting. Um, you've got a, a shout out here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't know if this is universal or not, but the hardest thing in Sable, we, Sable and I both work. Uh, the, the most painful thing in our relationship is meal planning. Uh, historically, I think it's a, sort of a female role in a, a traditional marriage um, to just serve dinner. And I don't have that expectation of Sable, but there's definitely like, I don't feel comfortable this feeling of, I don't feel comfortable making a meal decision sometimes without her input. And sometimes she doesn't feel like she can make a meal decision without my input if we're going to eat together. And it's like super painful. And I'm just, it's annoying that it exi- this pro- problem exists in our lives. I guess that's my when rant. You, when you say a meal decision, you mean like, we're going to go out to eat. Where do we go? Or like someone's going to cook, but how do we decide what? What's on the, what it's, it's like, okay, there's dinner tonight. There's nothing on the calendar. Everything in my life is calendared. Okay. I wake up, <laughs> I go to bed, I brush my teeth. My, I have brushed my teeth. You on do my not calendar. have going, you have brushing your teeth on the calendar yeah, and wake up and go to bed. I have, I have lunches. I have gym visits. I've got everything calendared. I don't have dinner on the calendar. Okay. I have lunch on the calendar. I have breakfast on the calendar. I don't have, I don't have dinner on the calendar. So dinner every night is this experience in, uh, what are you doing for dinner, honey? Uh, I don't know. What are you doing for, for dinner? Mm-hmm. Should I take care of myself? Are you going to take care of yourself or do you want to join me for this? It's the most painful thing ever, especially when you are hungry. Yes. I'm, I'm experiencing this right now, by the way. I'm like, I wish Shelly were making decisions right now and that food would arrive, but that won't happen because we have yes. to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, how do you, I mean, is this just like part of life that you like have to deal with every night or is this, is, are there solutions to this? Can so I anyway, awkward? Oh yeah. Sorry. So, so I have solved, I've tried to solve this problem this week. We oh. signed up for factor 75, which is this meal delivery service. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have 12 meals in the fridge that expire on the 10th of February. This is um, like they give you the ingredients and you cook it or no, like you is, just microwave it or something. So the cooking thing, I don't do the cooking thing. That's another problem. Like I would own the meal thing if I could cook, but because I don't cook, I'm not, I don't cook. I, I hate it. So th- these are like prepackaged meals that you heat up in the microwave and they're, they're not frozen, but so they have an expiration date. And, uh, so we're, we're, we're trying that, but I, do you have any other possible solutions to this problem other than hiring a chef? Well, like, would you be comfortable talking about it if there were a more ergonomic way to do that? What do you mean ergonomic way to do that? Like, so for, I have the exact same problem you do. We eat out almost every, I mean, get carry out these days, but almost every meal. But it's always like, well, when are you free? And where are we going to go? And well, I want Thai food. And, well, and we now had I'm Thai hungry food and I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting impatient. <laughs> so I guess like, you could imagine, I, I, I'm going to awkwardly shoehorn this into less knowing CRM. Um, you know that I'm really interested in meetings as a problem space. This doesn't seem that dissimilar from just the general problem that some events require communication before the event, and there's no tool set up to do that. So when I say if it were more ergonomic, what if you had a recurring event on your calendar and like chat tools or whatever the tool is actually were designed to have a conversation about a specific event with Sable. This is interesting. So like, what if there was a recurring event every night well before I got hungry, well before Sable got hungry and really the term is hangry, um, <laughs> that forced us to plan dinner. That would be mm-hmm. interesting. Cause I actually think like not, not this year, but maybe two or three years from now, less knowing serum, Obviously, dinner planning is not our kind of use job to be done here, but I think it would actually do an okay job of this. Yeah, it's, it's the same all, thing it's, with it's the recurring, meeting. Like, yeah, it's recurring meetings that have a a flexible start and end time and a flexible like location. Like it's where the detail a meeting where the 
outcome is the same every time, but the, the details of how to accomplish the outcome are flexible. You need like a, 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 a meeting to plan the meeting every, every, you know, yeah. Every, but really you, know, you just so need like a chat, like a, a Slack yeah, or you something. You need a conversation. Yeah. You need a conversation. It's a conversation. It's not a meeting. It's a conversation. I could see this being a kind of fun little consumer app to build too. Like just, just cause every, every couple in the world has this where, you know, every day you're having a conversation about food and there's, yeah, there's not really a way to have that conversation aside from just normal generic chat. Or someone just owns it and says, dinner is here. Like, yeah, show up here. And neither of us can do that. Seems so foreign to me. That's how my mom and my dad are. Um, I can't, it's strange to me to imagine, like, I'm just going to show up at a dinner table and, like, have no clue what food is about to be set down. Like, that seems bizarre. That's, that's how I grew up. Like, I... Yeah, I, me too. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, that's how you grow up. And then it's like, then you become an, a, an adult and you're, like, eating out of cans, like, because you, like, you know, it's, it's just... And then, then you have a wife and, or a girlfriend or a spouse and all of a sudden you have to plan for two. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's the most debilitating thing I've ever experienced. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Meal planning. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. My takeaway is that you have brushing your teeth on your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, um, uh, what's your shout out? I, I'm going to wait because I, I ordered something I want to talk about, but it hasn't been delivered yet, so I, I can't give a review yet. Um, do you want to talk about one of these topics or call it? Um, let's see. This is an observation. I'll pull this one in. We have a little bit of time for this. I I find I I just I, maybe this isn't true or not, but it seems like the people who who really make it big or, and are happy, there's an alignment about around like what you want to have happen in the future and what's likely to have happen. So like I'm thinking about like I'm I'm shoehorning leg up health into this, but like I want the end of employer provided health insurance to end. I want that to come about. I want employer health insurance to go away, to be replaced with everyone buying their own health insurance in the U S I think that's just a good thing for the health, the healthcare system. I also think it's likely to happen, which makes me feel good about working in the space. Um, but I wonder like how often, but what if I'm wrong? What if that's not likely to happen, but I want it to happen? that's like a bad place to be in a business, right? Like it's like this blind, it's like this blind wrong faith that like you want to have happen, but you're, you're actually like being your head against the wall at the same time. I wonder how many businesses that are really successful have this like future alignment with what like the founder wants to have happen in the world to will into the world and what's like already likely to happen. And then maybe that's like a, a good meeting of success. Like, you're almost like you're writing the you're you're writing a wave versus trying to push water yeah you know, you know yeah. water and I, I just do you ever think about anything like that? Well, first of all, I have to comment on you. You said writing a wave, and I don't think you follow Justin Jackson's musings, but this is one of his big things. Is he he just talks all the time about the like he had started many businesses and then he eventually started Transistor.fm, which has been for him, a big success. I mean, not like billion dollar success, but like a very nice bootstrap business. Um, and he says the whole thing was he got into podcasting when it was when the wave was right. Um, I realize you're not talking so much about the opportunity so much as like how the world is going to be. And I'm not so necessarily saying timing here. I'm I'm mm-hmm. more saying like, are there people out there like in my? Let's just take me an example. Am I? I want the end of employer provided health insurance to go about. I'm building a business that bets on that happening. Mm-hmm. Is that unlikely to happen in your in your mind? And if so, am I an idiot? Am well, I, in the wrong I think it's the employer health insurance is certain to end. It's not a likelihood. It will end in our lifetimes, guaranteed. The question is, are people buying individual insurance after it ends? Sure. Okay. So I would say that based on my observation, I'm in the right piece here. But are there people that are like betting on the future that uh, betting on a future that they want to happen yeah. that isn't likely to happen and how often do you think that happens and that's a I bad think it happens all the time yeah how do you but know I when think, how do you know when you're doing that or not i mean that's it's a bet <laughs> so in the in the startup world i think everyone knows this in the startup if you're starting like a tech startup 
it's understood you're betting on you're supposed to have some vision of the future. And if you're wrong about that vision, maybe you'll pivot, but like the thing you're working on won't work. A much, much more common version of this, I think, which I actually worry about for myself, is you're right about the future for five years and then you're wrong, like, and then the world passes you by. There are so many 50 and 60 year old business owners who their businesses are just, they're still alive because of legacy, but like, the th- whatever thing, whatever insight they had when they were 25 doesn't matter anymore. I don't know if that relates to what you're saying. That's an interesting thing where it's like you're betting on a future that comes about, but then la- that future changes before you adapt to it. Yeah, like with less annoying CRM, I will CRM as it exists now exist 30 years from now? Like, I mean, who knows? But a lot of companies are betting on machine learning and artificial intelligence taking stuff over. Um Small businesses in general are dying. So like, will there even be a customer base for less annoying CRM? If every company's online, like that's not what our product is for. I definitely think about this all the time. We definitely caught something. We were not wrong about the future 10 years ago when we started it, but like, will this get me through the end of my career? Mm. Yeah, so it's it's a healthy thing to think about like what do you want but do you want to ha- what like what do you want to have happen in the future? Like if you think about that, this mm-hmm. is here's a different way of thinking. Yeah, about yeah. It. Instead of saying what's likely to happen, what do you want to have happen in the future? And then ask is that likely? And then if that those two if you what you want to have happen in the future is likely, that's a good business to be in. I think of like Elon Musk here mm-hmm. and he wants to be able to you know drive he wants electric cars to come about and you know low emission cars. So he works on that type of stuff. He wants to go to space. So he works on space. Is, you know, is that a good bet? How do you, like, it seems like that's a good framework for thinking about a business to start. Yeah. I like that a lot. Like what's the difference between Elon Musk and, you know, the Koch brothers and it's that they're betting on gas and oil and he's bet like, they're both sociopathic maniacs. I, I, one of one of the Koch brothers passed away, I think. But like, they're not people I respect. But Elon Musk is certainly in a better position because he's betting on the, the where the world's actually going it, in a good world, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, I'm just an observation. It's right. I'm trying to think about as and and go. Okay, I think I I know what I want to have happen here for the leg up help. But am I crazy? Is this likely to happen? And I think I'm checking the box on both of those, and I'm okay. But if you're not, it might be a good a good thing to just sort of recognize and go, hmm, maybe this isn't going to go the way I want it to. Yeah. I, to to pull back to me again, sorry to hog your conversation here, but something we worry about is our customers are pretty old. Um, and like, that's fine right now, but I'm, they are not going to get me to retirement. Like they are going to retire long before I do because they're mm. on average probably 20 years older than me. Um so we do talk, I, I wouldn't say we worry at Lessening Serum, but we do talk about like something about what we offer has to, I don't want to abandon our current customers, but we have to move in a direction that appeals to younger people f- for the sake of longevity. Do you have a conversation around what you want to have happen versus like, yes, what is that? I'm interested in that. <laughs> So the obvious place for Less Annoying CRM to go, ignoring what I just said yeah. about longevity, the obvious thing for us to do is we're a CRM. Let's build more sales tools. Like salespeople use us, let's build more sales tools. Um, so invoicing and like that that call list feature we were just talking about. I don't think that's the future. Um, and it's just not what I'm as interested in doing. I, I love CRM's great because it's like mostly a productivity tool that just happens to be used by salespeople. And I love productivity, but I want to move more towards being a productivity tool and less towards being a sales tool. Um, so if you think of like a Venn diagram, like still doing all the CRM stuff, I'm not planning on leaving that at all, but what I want to have happen is for small businesses to operationalize more the way big businesses do right now, more, I don't want to say automation, but like, like the tools you and I know about, I want small businesses to know about and to use and take advantage of. And I want to be the provider of those tools. Yeah, it's cool. You, you basically want the system, the system, you want to bring the, you want to democratize the enterprise automation tools. Yeah. Um, and right now, a lot of small businesses don't have access to those. Right. And, and yeah, maybe or not, not even, access like, is the wrong word, but like not know how. Right. The t- two that stand out to me, one is Notion and one is Slack. 
these are like, if you know how to use them, it, it levels you up. They're great tools, but a lot of small businesses, and this isn't even just an age thing. A lot of 30 year olds who are starting businesses right now aren't going to understand how to use Notion correctly. And for a brick and something, something that I struggle with so much, our customers do not, it's, it's so magical to run a business like ours, high margin, scalable, flexible, do it online, do it remotely. Most of my customers, when you talk to them, it's just so much fucking harder to run a normal small business. And like, I don't think software creators appreciate that enough and that they just are never going to have time to figure out how to get Zapier to talk to Airtable so that they can do whatever thing they want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, that's a little no, bit of a cool. rant. No, but... it's cool. It's like, do you want, you, is that likely to happen? I guess would be the second question of that. And I'd say, yeah, it's likely that some form of no-code tools are going to make it to the the late adopters and you could be the entry point to that. That seems reasonable. We are certainly late to CRM. Yeah, maybe maybe our whole thing is like wait for a market to mature and then come in and learn all the lessons that the uh, early people taught us. Anyway. And to your point, like eventually that passes you by, right? And you've got to be able mm-hmm. to reinvent yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now you've got me all reflective, Rick. Thanks a lot. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> you know, I've made this bad go. That added no value. <laughs> um, well, anything else you want to cover today? Nope, I think I'm good. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have a favor to ask. Please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.